Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Lamar. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the 20 most expensive movie props ever sold. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. What are you talking about? I am talking to you. That's just what I was talking about. It's Talking Lamar. You know, I think everybody would love to have some sort of uh, movie souvenir, some of the props or whatever, but... What I'm going to be talking about, me and you can't afford. Honestly, we cannot. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Steve McQueen's suit and helmet from the movie Le Mans. Now, Le Mans is a 1971 movie about the 24-hour road race in Le Mans, France, and it starred Steve McQueen. And this was at the top of his career. This is when he was the hottest thing going. And there was a contest after the movie. Uh, and the first prize was a Porsche 914. Second prize was the Gulf racing suit, underwear, and helmet worn by Steve McQueen in the movie. I don't know why they threw the underwear in. I, I, I really don't, but they did. It's okay? weird. Yeah, it is weird. But this was won by a kid. Now, the kid really wanted the Porsche, but he got second. He got the second prize. So he actually used the helmet with his motorcycle. He rode his motorcycle wearing the helmet that Steve McQueen had had had. had. Now, it stayed in the family for 46 years, and it wound up being sold by Sotheby's in 2017 for $336,000. What? And maybe it wouldn't have been as expensive if it had been for the underwear. Now, when I tell you what these things cost, this was three hundred thirty-six thousand. To give you some idea, in today's money, that's four hundred and twenty-one thousand nine hundred dollars. That's a I, lot of money for a racing suit. <laughs> I feel like that that this is the convergence of two things: the fact that Steve McQueen is a beloved icon uh, for, yeah. I guess, baby baby boomers, right? He yes, was like yes. a baby, a young baby boomers dream guy, men and women. Yep. And then mm-hmm. racing fans. I think when you put those two together, you have just enough <clears throat> money to buy Steve McQueen's Le Mans racing <laughs> costume. Yeah, yeah. Now, number two is Aragon's sword from the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Among the most mythical of swords in the Tolkien fantasy franchise was Anduril. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Anduril. It's the majestic weapon who is wielded by Aragon in The Lord of the Rings. In this blockbuster uh, Peter Jackson trilogy, 
Virgo Mortensen, Morganson played the Aragon who used the sword. Now, it was a thing of beauty. It was very ornate. It was designed by John Howe. Uh, it was and the made sword was Lund. nice, too. Let me just say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, let me say, as a fan of that movie <sighs> franchise, I very much like to handle Aragorn's sword very, very much. <laughs> Go on, <Lamar>. <laughs> <laughs> it was sold. It was sold by the collection of Sir Christopher and Lady Lee in 2014. It sold for $437,000, or in today's money, $567,000. Who is like this? When you buy something like that, do you prop it up? Yeah. Oh, no, that's in a yeah. that's hung on the wall with its own spot. That's, that's, that's got to be a center point. That's got to be is the center a, point of what's going on. That's like a Wall Street guy, right? That's like Wolf of Wall Street territory, isn't it? To be able to drop that kind of money Hedge on Hedge fund pop? manager. Yeah. 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 That I don't know how you get that job, but I never hear of a poor one. I never hear of a poor hedge fund manager. I really I feel don't. Like there's, I feel like there's some tricky math involved that would get in our way. Yeah. I do. I think there is. All right. We'll take a little break and come back with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. What is only $4.99 a month but gives you such pleasure? That would be the Bob and Sherry Premium. Exclusive content from the show, including our classic chat room calls and best of CDs. You'll get behind the scenes photos and videos of not only us, but our listeners. It's a lot of fun. Just $4.99 a month. And the website to get all of this is bobandsherry.com slash premium. Now, I'm thinking a lot of people would be interested in Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And this is the one from A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Mark Hamill went through a bunch of prop lightsabers during his many years and all the multiple movies as he played Luke Skywalker. But this one he used in both A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And it's, it's the one that he uses in the scene where it's frozen and he manages to dislodge it. Um, a veteran Star Wars producer, Gary Kurtz, uh, it wound up in his collection. But not long before he died in 2018, the lightsaber went up for auction in 2017, and Ripley's bought it to put in the museum. The Ripley's are a Believe It or Not Museum. You can go by there and see it. They paid four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for it in two thousand seventeen, which would be five eighty four in today's money. Mm. Now, here's so, one that you don't think of. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, because I know you're a Star I, I Wars mean, fan as I am. I mean, it's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. I, I couldn't afford it at any price, but that feels like a bargain, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You would think. I mean, yeah, you would think. Now, here's one that you're not even thinking about. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's flying car. You know, stuff like that has to go somewhere. And <clears throat> so many of these pieces that's on, on this list, um, there's a little bit more to it than the initial auction estimate price. Some of them get well over what the estimate is. Now, the the, the brand banking, new-looking, glorious, colorful. And this is a working car from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Most of them did not drive, but this one drove. Chitty Ch- it went for less than the $1 million estimated, okay? Most of the time it goes over. This this was supposed to go for like a million to $2 million. 
Uh, it was built by the Ford Racing Team, and it's based on a design by Ken Ken Adams. And it's the out of all six cars, this is the only one that you can drive. It went for eight hundred and five thousand in two thousand eleven. Now today, that would be over, a little bit over a million, but for some reason. I don't know that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has enough people with money that wants to have something like that. Yeah, but I wonder, so it did sell, and it is a car that works. I wonder where it ended up. Is it one of those things, like, you know, sometimes, well, you know, sometimes you're on a road trip, and uh, you you decide to check out, like, a, a little place. Oh, it says here that there's a museum of movie props. And it's a, a little town with its own little freaky museum, and there's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang sitting in there. Yeah. Did it end up there, or is it or in, is some it in somebody's garage with a garage? cloth over yeah. it, and nobody ever yeah. sees Tony, it? That's the Tony thing. Garofalo is the name of the guy, and the car has gone on tour from time to time. Really? Yes. And it was well, put, you might get your money back with that. Like, now, he bought it in 2014. Tour. The prop was put up for auction, it says in 2022, but it doesn't say who currently owns it. I'm sure they say it's get swapped back and forth among a lot of amongst a lot of these people. Now we go back to the Star Wars. Uh, number five is Darth Vader's helmet and mask from The Empire Strikes Back. Now listen, I always say it takes a great villain to make a great movie. The fiberglass mask and the helmet that David Prowse sported while, while portraying the villainous Darth Vader, you know that somebody is wanting this, okay? Uh this one went for $1.1 million. Believe 1. it, 1. no 1. problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With I mean, that's got to be a strong. I mean, you got to be hardcore, but you got to have the money. $1.1 million. That's uh, a tech bro, no, isn't it? That's oh, yeah, like yeah. one of Zuckerberg's neighbors in Palo Alto. That's a that's a tech <laughs> yeah. dude. Did you, yeah. We had him in the studio. It's a, it's a funny little fact about him because David Prowse is a big man, and he also has a great voice. So why didn't they use his voice? He never knew because he thought that we dubbed in later because he said those things through a mask, so you couldn't really hear him well. And it wasn't until later that he found out that James Earl Jones was voicing it. Hey, fun fact. Isn't David Prowse the actor who plays the assistant to the wheelchair-bound man in A Clockwork Orange? I think you're right about that. Yes. The young, the young Boy. future Darth Vader. Yeah. That is that is a great, uh, strange fact that you pop up yeah. with right there. That's pretty good. Audrey Hepburn. Okay, we're going way back now. Audrey Hepburn uh, in 1961, Breakfast at Tiffany's. She wore a little iconic black dress. In 2006, yes. that dress was provided by designer Hubert D. Givenchy to Givenchy. Givenchy. I like that. Givenchy. That sounds better than Givenchy, doesn't it? <laughs> in the spirit of in the spirit of her work, um, the dress, which was estimated to sell between eighty thousand and one hundred thirty thousand. Ultimately went for nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars in today's what? money. That's a million four hundred thousand. Yeah, that's even more than Darth Vader's helmet. That's wow. hard to believe. That's a chunk. That is a chunk. So, um, I wonder who one, one. has that. 
that's got to be a museum somewhere, right? To spend that kind of money. Oh, my God. They don't always say who buys it. And I don't see anything on that. Uh, This is close to my heart. The Lotus submarine car from the spy who loved me. A Long Island couple purchased a storage unit for $100 in 1989. Among the contents was one of the eight 1976 Lotus utilized while making The Spy Who Loved Me. It was the very one used for Bond's adventure underwater uh, sequences. You know, the couple knew nothing at all about 007 or Ian Fleming or anything. So you get to 2013, Sotheby's sold it for them at auction. The buyer, who was a secret at the time, turned out to be Elon Musk, and he bought it for $997,000, which today would be $1.3 million. They paid $100. (laughs) That is, can you imagine having that kind of like wild, shocking good luck? Oh, my gosh. And had no idea what they had when they bought it. Had no idea what they had. Here's one that was really weird. The dance floor from Saturday Night Fever. John Travolta, is. this is the floor that he danced on and had the whole disco thing, and it really started the whole disco craze. And it had those flashing blue and yellow lights and red lights yeah, yeah. that always, yeah. Well, it was a real dance floor in a real Brooklyn club called 2001 Odyssey. Vito Bruno, who used to work at 2001 Odyssey, Bought the floor at auction in 2005. In 2017, he put it up for auction again. An anonymous bidder purchased it for $1.2 million. Today, that would be $1.5 million. Dude. Hey. Oh, oh. Before I forget, can I tell you something I just learned about John Travolta? So, this is so what? cool. So, this is so cool. So, um, a movie... Uh, a movie thing that I follow on the artist formerly known as Twitter released a screenshot of Quentin Tarantino's notes for Pulp Fiction, and it was his casting notes. He wrote the part of Vincent for Michael Madsen, who he'd shot Reservoir Dogs with. Yes. But in the notes, it says, if Madsen can't or won't, my next choice is John Travolta. No kidding. So I, I want you to think about not only how different Pulp Fiction would have been without Travolta, I want you to think about uh, how different Travolta's career and life would have been without Pulp Fiction. Just that, that one little thing. It makes all the difference. Hey, the thing, the thing that, that brought in $1.2 million, when they built it, it cost $15,000 to build it. Mm-hmm. That's what it's Oh, my for. gosh. Oh, my gosh. Now, now, this is one that I have come to really like because this is Julie Andrews' Do-Re-Mi dress and some other costumes from The Sound of Music. This is one of my favorites since I managed to avoid seeing this movie for 58 years, okay? Because I was sure that I would hate it, okay? I was sure. Turns out, I loved it. Now, back in 2013, Profiles in History offered up a package featuring several items uh, from The Sound of Music. The hodgepodge uh, included the dress that she wore while performing Do Re Mi for the Von Trapp kids, the yellow skirt and blouse 
uh, from when Maria returned from her honeymoon and a purple wool cape that was owned by Andrews. Um, you got some of the uh, Bound Traps uniforms. So there's a whole bunch in this package, okay? You got a four-page Von Trapp family history signed by the actual Maria Von Trapp. All of this together was $1.3 million. And that was back in 2013. You know, though, that was a solid investment because you oh, can't yeah. always tell. You can't always tell when even a really great movie is going to go the distance. But we, yeah. like The Wizard of Oz, we will always have Sound of Music, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, this is something that don't happen anymore. David Oselznick's uh, Gone with the Wind Best Picture Oscar. See, these days, Oscar winners are not allowed to sell the golden statues. But I don't really know how they can tell you that. I mean, what? I, I, this is yours, isn't it? But that's part of the deal. I guess you have to sign a waiver or something like that. But it, um, but back in 1939, Gone with the Wind <clears throat> won this. You know, he won the award. And so it went up for auctions through those uh, Sosby's. And they thought it might sell for about 300000 It went for one point. Fifty-four million in 1999. Wow! And you know who bought it? Michael Jackson. Oh, you know that what? makes sense. I remember he loved that. Hollywood. I remember that. Now, when the uh, executors of Jackson's estate, after he died, did this big accounting of all his belongings and assets, the Oscar was missing. Whoever has it must be a smooth criminal. Because it's oh, still that's a good one. <laughs> hey, can I can I ask y'all something? So, um, yeah. I got no listen. I got no fight with Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth is Gwyneth, and you must be in on the joke, yeah. or you'll be driven crazy. Okay. That yeah. said, yep. Yep. she did one of these like I forget how many questions with Vogue magazine. It's a little video interview that makes the rounds, and she was at her house in the Hamptons. And Gwyneth does not apologize for being Gwyneth, by the way. She's like, look, I grew up wealthy. I went to private school. I can't act like I'm something I'm not. Okay, thank you, Gwynny, for that. We appreciate that. In the video, um, her Oscar for Shakespeare in Love is being used as a doorstop outside in the garden. And I have a feeling that that was just for the video, that that's not really yeah. where her Oscar is. Yes. But that said, I mean, I have never seen Gwyneth do anything that felt as much to me as let them eat cake as that. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly right. I, I don't I, know. I, mm, I mean, none of my business, of course. But mm. but, but once she I, goes down the crazy road, she can't come back. I mean, she's down. Yeah, you got to keep. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. you got to stay with. Yeah, it. commit you to gotta it. Stay yeah. with it. Yeah, you got to commit. Now, <clears throat> here's a cool one. Dorothy's ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, they made like four sets of ruby slippers for Judy Garland to wear during that production. Various pairs have sold for astronomical amounts over the years. But in 2012, Steven Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio teamed up to buy the slippers that were worn by Garland and shot in the close-up when she was clicking her heels. This is the pair that they got. They bought them, donated the shoes to the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles. They're right there for anybody to see that goes through. They paid $2 million back in 2012. It would be like 2600000 now. Now, that's pretty cool that they bought that and then put it in the museum. Now people can see them. 
There's a great podcast. I know I've talked about it before. It's called There's No Place Like Home. One of these sets of ruby slippers, and I can't remember which one it was, was stolen. And the story of what happened to them is fascinating. And if I'm not yes. mistaken, I've heard about so this. because the guy who owned them was given the insurance money, you can't then reclaim them. So I believe those particular slippers are not owned by anybody right now. Because they were stolen, well, from, they were stolen from the Judy Garland Museum, and I, I know I said this before. And the prime suspect was Louis Anderson, the comedian's brother, who was a criminal. <laughs> I know well. it sounds like I'm making this up, but it's true. Yeah. Could this world like calm down and not be so freaking weird for a minute? This is crazy. No. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Crazy. All right, we're going back to Star Wars. We're going back to Star Wars. R2 D2. You would think this is this was what makes this weird. Um profiles in history snagged a really big price in 2017 for an R2D2 comprised of parts from across the original Star Wars trilogy. It was not a complete R2D2 from one movie. They got different parts from different movies and put it together. Okay? You don't know which parts come from which film, but they got it put together. And so, honestly, I, even though even though it's made of uh, different parts, it's better than the one I got. I don't have one, so I, I can't say anything. But it, the same auction yielded the sales of the Saturday Night Fever Dance Force, the same people that sold it, and the Darth Vader mask. This uh, R2-D2 went for... Two point seven six million dollars. Good lord! <laughs> In today's money, that's three point three million. Okay. So now, listen. The Wizard of Oz has still got some other stuff. You talk the Cowardly Lion costume. Um, the the Cowardly Lion costume that they made for Burt Lair when he played the the character in the Wizard of Oz. It was crafted from actual lion skin and fur. Probably wouldn't be doing that today, but this was made out of a real lion skin. And it sold at auction in New York in 2014 for $3,070,000. No shock there. It's the Wizard of Oz. All bets are yes, off, right? It is. That's right. Another Star Wars sale, an X-Wing model from Star Wars. And... This is a guy that designed a lot of different stuff. He did a lot of stuff in uh, Star Trek and stuff. He built these models. And, you know, Star Wars, a lot of the shots in that were done with the models. Um, so after he died, it took two auctions to get rid of some of his stuff. His collection of both items that he created, as well as people uh, uh, pieces that uh, this other guy made, this one, one model of an X-Wing Starfighter model was $3.1 million. That's pretty expensive for a model, but it is Star Wars. We are in the wrong business. This is an old, old movie a lot of people probably haven't seen. Casablanca. Uh, The piano, Sam's Piano from Casablanca, it sold for $118,750. But you didn't get the Rick's Letter of Transit, okay? The... When you put it all together for those two, three point four million. 
when you put the two together. That's a lot of money. Uh, Audrey Hepburn's My Fair Lady dress. Uh, Debbie Reynolds paid $100,000 for the dress and hat um, for the, that it was in My Fair Lady. And Hepburn wore it in the scene when uh, Eliza uh, debuts at the Ascot Derby. So it was that very elegant, beautiful dress. She paid $3.7 million for it back in 2011 for that dress. Now, here's one that is very exciting, the Maltese Falcon. Now, that was, that's an old movie about Humphrey Bogart. Have y'all ever seen this movie? It's a great movie. And, oh, yeah. and the Maltese Falcon, the Maltese Falcon is like this black bird type thing. I and have seen the it, whole yeah. movie's based on it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that sold, now get this, that sold for four million and eighty-five thousand, but there was also a buyer's premium that they charged for that. So it wound up costing four million six hundred and seventy thousand dollars. And you know who bought it? Steve who? Wynn, the Las oh, Vegas yeah. hotel owner. Steve Wynn. He bought that. It's not uh, surprising. Marilyn Monroe's white dress from the seven-year itch. That's the one was, she was wearing when the subway when, went by when, the dress when she's standing on the yeah. grate. Yeah. Yeah, when she, and she has to hold her dress down. Uh, it sold for $4.6 million in 2011. I wonder who bought that. That's, it, that's, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Well, Debbie Reynolds originally had it, and then she sold it because she got in debt. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds used to do a lot of dealing and a lot of Hollywood memorabilia, and she yeah. was the first one that I heard that there were actually like four sets of ruby slippers from Gone with the Wind. I mean, yeah, from, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Our last two, this one is, Max, maybe this is going to ring a bell for you. I can't say that I've ever seen this movie. Robbie the Robot. From the Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the movie was made in 1956, and uh, it sold for $5.3 million. Yeah, that was a, a famous, you know, uh, science fiction movie. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a, that yeah. was a big deal. I mean... I think I think when they built that, yeah, when they built it back then, they paid a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars to build the robot. That's a lot of money. It is back in nineteen fifty-six. And our last and final is one that's probably one of my favorites: James Bond's Aston Martin DB Five from Goldfinger and Thunderball. They. Uh, in August 2019, a six-person bidding war went back and forth, and they wound up buying this thing for $6.4 million. And it was complete with everything. I mean, this was this was the solid car. It was drivable. It was fully restored. $6.4 million. Bob would have left to have this. Goldfinger's DB5. If you, if you have... If you... If you had the money, yeah, it'd be a cool thing to have in a car collection. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So like I say, we all could love to have some of these things, but I think this might be out of our price range. So, well, that wraps it up for another episode of Talking Lamar. We've, we've had a great time. I hope you did, too. If you did, tell everybody you know. If you didn't, of course, keep it to yourself until you come around. And if you just keep <laughs> listening, you will come around. Will Don't come give around. up. Y'all have a great day. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Talkin' Lamar, the Oddcast, and the Bob and Sherry Podcast. We would really love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.